Hello and welcome to the world's greatest engineering and computing podcast, Innovation on Main. Every single one of us has had a grandparent, parent, or loved one grow frail in their older age. For me, it's been my grandpa. My whole life, I watched him go for a run every time I was in town, do light weightlifting, and eat his sandwiches packed with cold cut protein. But still, through the years, he just got thinner and thinner. It wasn't a surprise. I mean, older people have a hard time keeping on their muscle, right? Well, my guest today doesn't think that has to be true. But before we get to Michael Gower and his research on promoting muscle growth, let's have a word from our presenting sponsor, the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing, in their biomedical engineering program. This program combines engineering, medicine, and biological sciences to improve healthcare. The degree program offers students its unique partnerships with the University of South Carolina School of Medicine through courses like anatomy and physiology with a gross anatomy lab and industry partners such as Nephron Pharmaceuticals, Zeus Industrial Products, and AVX Corporation. With great professors like Dr. Gower and an extremely diverse student body that's over 50% female, this program will prepare students for whatever engineering or healthcare-related future they aspire to. Visit the college's website today to learn more about this program and the many other great programs the U of SC College of Engineering and Computing has to offer. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's have Columbia's favorite band, No Way Jose, take us away to Michael Gower and his groundbreaking research on muscle atrophy. Michael, thanks for coming on today. How have you been? I've been very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, when we met a few weeks back, we talked at length about the new project you're starting for the Veterans Association. What are you hoping to be able to produce for them in your research? Yeah, so we're, um, we're developing um, an off-the-shelf injectable that's, uh, that we hope um, and that we're designing to promote uh, rehabilitation of atrophied muscle. And the idea would be that this would be additive and, and uh, to current therapies that are, that are there, like uh, you mentioned, um, uh, diet and exercise. Cool. <laughs> nah, you're good. And so what would kind of be the goal of this? What do you hope would be the positive that comes out of this research long term? Yeah. So um, during um, muscle uh, injury or modified use, um, like uh, what would happen during um, maybe after uh, an illness when a patient has to uh, uh, be under an, an enforced period of disuse for a while, uh, muscle atrophies. And so once the patient overcomes the injury or the, um, the, uh, the illness, they then have to deal with, uh, with muscle atrophy. And so this is less of an issue for you know, folks your age, uh, even folks my age, but this can be a real problem for the elderly because um, they suffer from an inability to um, really rebuild this muscle mass. So the idea would be is to develop this system uh, that addresses this, uh, this issue in, in elderly patients. And most patients um, for the Veterans Administration are elderly. So this is a really important uh, issue for them. So how does it work? We talk about promoting the muscle. Um, what is your research actually looking to do to make this happen? Yeah, so we're, um, we're kind of looking at this uh, at, at two angles. Um, what, we're, what we're 
designing are these synthetic particles uh, for, for, um, for injection and they're biodegradable. And the idea is, is that they're able to engage uh, with cells in the body that help promote or orchestrate um, muscle growth. And so we're looking at um, two very functionally different uh, tissues to accomplish this. So um, we discussed a couple weeks back, one of the things that we're interested in doing is trying to actually add a um, bioengineer fat tissue to actually release uh, muscle regenerative factors. And so we're designing uh, particles that can be injected into fat tissue around the muscle and uh, instruct um, that those cells in that tissue to release uh, secretable factors that could um, that that would be able to um, really instruct the muscle to repair and grow. Um, another um, uh, angle that we are looking at is also um, developing uh, particles for actually direct injection into the muscle, and so um, we're taking kind of both these strategies. Um, and, and looking at the ability to really bioengineer these tissues and have them uh, promote muscle growth. So have you, and maybe you don't know this at this stage, but what do you think are the benefits that each of those two different scenarios offer? I mean, there's completely different ideas of putting it into the fat and having the fat talk to the muscle to say grow, mm -hmm. or putting it straight into the muscle. What are the benefits there? Yeah, definitely. So I think um, one of the real uh, one of the benefits of targeting the adipose tissue is there's, um, there's a lot of evidence um, in the literature that it can support muscle health, um, but there aren't a lot of ways to um, kind of control its ability to do this. So when I talk to, uh, in my experience, when I talk to a lot of people, people think of fat tissue. Um, I, I may go back and forth and sometimes call it adipose tissue, um, is they think of it as an energy storing tissue. And that's just, that's not the whole story. Um, not only can it store excess uh, energy, um, it also is a secretory organ. And so it secretes, um, one of the things it does is it secretes fat when energy stores are low. So during starvation or during fasting, it's gonna release fat um, uh, into the bloodstream and that's gonna be used as energy at, um, in other sites like your muscle. Um, but it also releases um, other bioactive molecules that can control uh, tissue function, tissue metabolism. And so um, an interesting example of this is that the adipose tissue makes this molecule called the diponectin. Um, the adipocytes, which are actually the fat-storing cells in the adipose tissue, produce this molecule. They're the only cells that produce it. Um, and so one of the things that um, a diponectin does that's interesting for muscle is it actually makes the muscle more sensitive to insulin. So insulin is a hormone that among that has many effects on muscle, but one of the thing it, things it does is it turns on cell signaling pathways that are going to uh, promote muscle growth. So you have this uh, you know very interesting tissue uh, that's throughout our bodies. Um, there's a large amount of it under um, our skin, so it's easily accessible. Um, and so we are uh, interested in being able to develop the, this injectable system that I'm telling you about in order to instruct these cells to, you know, take, take note of the environment and what the muscles need and then release those factors and, and promote muscle growth. So you put these particulate systems mm -hmm. into the fat tissue and then they can talk to the muscle tissue and say, grow more, really distilled down? 
Yes, absolutely. So can you give me an idea? What do these particulate systems look like? How big are they? Is it this big mound that'll be on your skin or will you not even notice it? Yeah, so, well, the idea would be that you don't notice it. Um, and so we can uh, make these particles in a, in a range of sizes. So, um, so the blood cells uh, that are in your, uh, in your body, in your bloodstream, those guys are um, on the order of about five microns. I think, um, you, and so a red blood cells on, on that order. And so we can make these part, what we are doing is making these particles um, on the order of about a micron um, or fractions of a micron. And so the idea would be is that they would be um, binding cells and being taken, taken up and instructing those cells to act in a certain way. So we, um, we're taking into account that we don't want these you know, building up, we don't want them causing discomfort. Um, in, you know, in fact, we've, one of the reasons we're excited about targeting the adipose tissue, the fat tissues, we think um, it's a relatively non-invasive uh, site to do this kind of bioengineering that I'm talking about. Cool. So you mentioned that it's not really that invasive to do, mm -hmm. um, but why do we have to do it at all? Why can't we just tell these older people, lift a little more, eat a little bit more protein? What causes us to have to do this? Yeah, so that's a great question. So... The issue, um, what research has shown is that in um, people, as you get older, your, um, your muscle becomes less sensitive to signals that tell it to grow, like resistant exercise, um, like uh, protein consumption. And so um, we think that there's an opportunity to kind of aid in those, um, you know, those exercise and, and diet to improve muscle growth. On the, um, there's, there's another issue to consider also is that sometimes you, if you have, you know, an elderly person that has been injured or sick in bed for a long period of time, you know, by the time that they come over that primary ailment, they're, they're really too emaciated to follow uh, the kind of resistance training programs that they might need uh, to in order to like uh, accrue more muscle. And so being able to get those patients to a point to where they can do the resistant exercises is a pretty um, important therapeutic target. So do you see this working potentially in conjunction with exercise and increased diet and kind of being a partnership with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I was at a conference in November and um, I was speaking to a muscle physiologist and I think you put it a great way. Um, you know, the muscle is a all our organ systems, but the muscle system, it's a demand-based system. So he really um, was making this argument that you really can't eat or drug away uh, muscle atrophy um, or any kind of muscle dysfunction. You also have to use it. And so um, on a, what we would like to do is um, make healthy lifestyle changes that that these patients are going to do anyways, just a little more effective, or, or maybe a lot more effective. I think uh, we talked, when we talked earlier, you mentioned a Harvard statistic, and I actually went back in to get it, and it said, uh, after age 30, you lose three to 5% of your muscle mass per decade, mm -hmm. which could lead to, for most men, losing 30% of your muscle mass during a lifetime. I think that kind of frames this discussion well, just how much muscle can be lost and how much of an effect this could bring, even if it's bringing that 30% to 15% or allowing at that older age to kind of regain and not just be decreasing every time. Do you have an idea of just how effective this particulate system could be in 
increasing the muscle mass? You know, it's we're pretty early on uh, in in the work right now, and so um, I I don't know how effective it's going to be. Um, it, but um, I do think um, that you know we'll be able to um, you know after the studies that we do, we'll we'll be able to have a have a better idea. Yeah. And what do those studies look like in the lab? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so what what we're doing right now is so this work is being done actually in in mice, which is you know work workhorse in biomedical research, um, and so we actually um, are taking aged mice, um, which also suffer from um, age um, mediated uh, muscle muscle loss, and we're putting them in a lower body cast, which causes that muscle to atrophy, and so we then remove that cast and we administer the particles. Um, uh, to the fat tissue or to the muscle. Um, and then we have these activity homes for them, which allow us to quantify and really monitor um, how far they move, how far they walk, and how often that they rear on their two legs. And so those things are both going to go down if their uh, muscles have atrophied and, um, and it, it is, it's difficult for them to, to move. And so really the hypothesis being is that the uh, mice that do receive our treatment will, um, will recover faster and to a greater extent um, th than the mice that don't. Cool. So what's it like for you knowing that you're creating something that could potentially impact me, you, all our listeners, everyone that could impact them down the road? I mean, I, I think uh, it, it's exciting and I think... Um, you know, the kind of research that um, I decided to be trained in doing and, and do now is um, motivated a lot by, um, you know, helping, uh, you know, human health and, uh, and well-being. And so um, it's, it's very satisfying. Is there anyone in particular that kind of motivates this personally for you? Is there that older person that you've mm -hmm. seen this effect? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's, I would say that all my... All my elderly um, uh, friends, mentors, family—you um, know—they all provide uh, make me excited for this for this research. Um, but you know, I'd also uh, say that you know my my kids—I have a boy, uh, two boys, one's one and one's two and a half. You know, they motivate me as well. Um, you know, there's a there's a saying that you know I I actually uh, I'll peel off the uh, the Harvard website you mentioned earlier, and uh, that's that there's two certainties in life uh, that there is um, you know death and taxes, <laughs> and they make the point that there's actually a third one, and and that's uh, muscle atrophy. And uh, as you mentioned, most of the research has focused on on men, but you know muscle atrophy um, associated with age is important for women as well. And so I think, you know, if we can, um, you know, everybody wants to feel younger and, uh, and be able to act and move younger than they are. And so if this research um, and can, can help us all do that, uh, I, think, I think that would be great. And you mentioned with me earlier that this would be a high risk, high reward project for yeah. the Veterans Association. Can you explain that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So the Veterans Administration... Um, uh, funds work that uh, is high risk. And so what, what that means is that um, there's not preliminary data to really substantiate that the approach will work, even though the literature and previous observations support that it's, 
that it's um, you know an exciting and good idea. And so they have these grants that are shorter periods of time uh, that you know allow a pathway for you to gather that preliminary data so that you can put together you know a project and studies um, that is longer term to like really advance the therapy. And so that's that's what um, so the the veteran veterans administration have these high risk short projects as well as these longer term more um, uh, substantiated projects. And so you know that's that's the path that, that we're going on right now. So why why do you think they took the risk on your research? I think um, I think the adipose muscle communication angle was really interesting to them. Um, it's been um, recognized for a long period of time. Uh, well, actually, I'll take that back. It hasn't um, been that long. Um, you know, 20, 20, 30 years is is actually not not that long in in terms of you know a lot of medical basis. And so people um, people have known that these uh, these two tissues can com communicate. But this idea to try to um, engineer their communication and and try to apply that to muscle atrophy uh, was received as, as very novel and innovative. And, and so they were excited about seeing if we could, you know, put together some preliminary data to show that this was a path that we should follow. Is there any other specific markets or demographics of people that you think this could significantly impact? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's actually some, you know, um, generally young and very fit people that also can suffer from muscle atrophy. And, and so that's astronauts. And so your muscles um, interpret uh, low gravity similarly to how they interpret um, disuse. And so, um, and, and the issue is, is when these astronauts show up to where, whether they come back to Earth or they show up at some new, uh, new environment that has more uh, gravity than the space shuttle that they were, or the spacecraft that they were traveling on, say like Mars, they're not gonna have time to recover. So um, if you, we can uh, design ways to either keep the atrophy from occurring or um, in decrease the time it takes to recover from it, I think that uh, that would be a great thing for, um, for space exploration. I know my background. I, I'm always I'm a huge sports fan, and mm -hmm. so my mind instantly jumps to HGH, performance enhancing drugs. How is this different than those, or could this be used someday in the future? Could this be the newest baseball scandal? Yeah. So, um, so I'll preface with I'm I'm not an expert in HGH, um, but I can tell you that the delivery of uh, biologics and the treatment with biologics, so um, proteins. Um, have some inherent difficulties. And so uh, one is that they're very difficult to produce and they're expensive to produce and they're difficult and expensive to store. Uh, the other thing is, um, another issue is if you deliver them systemically, uh, dose can be an issue. Um, and also there could be off-target effects. And then if you are delivering them locally, you could also have dose issues. So um, we're designing these particles so that they have a long shelf life, so they don't need to be um, uh, refrigerated. They're meant to mimic certain pieces of biology so that um, you don't actually have to use the native protein. Um, and the other thing is, is that um, cells, um, respond, cells are, receive many signals, integrate them, and then you know, decide to respond in a certain way. So we think uh, that there is an opportunity to take a cell, 
in its environment that's receiving a, all the signals from its environment, give it a, another signal, our synthetic particle, and by integrating all that can respond in a the way exactly the way the muscle needs to promote um, muscle growth after atrophy. So we think in in those ways that's um, those would be some benefits of this. Now your second question: Could this um, also be used for performance enhancing? Um, I think it could be in it. You know, it, there could be. Um, I think the literature and other observations up to this point suggest that these particles could synergize with diet and exercise to augment um, muscle growth, power, or performance. And so, yeah, there could be a baseball scandal. Um, but there also, you know, this could be actually uh, very useful um, for, say, uh, the warfighter um, and other, um, you know, other aspects of, um, of you know, society where, where performance enhancement uh, might be useful. I'll keep this in mind when I get the breaking news ESPN <laughs> notification in 10 years that we got the new steroid scandal. Um, but I'd love to shift gears a little bit okay. um, away from the research. And you just graduated your first doctoral student. I did. That, that's a huge achievement. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was really excited. Um, I was uh, very proud of, uh, you know, and satisfied of, of the work uh, he had done and what he had accomplished. Um, and honestly, I, I also realized um, that both he and, and he and I had come a long ways, <laughs> and so um, you know it, it was it was it was great. So, what's going through your head as he's giving his um, doctoral defense? What's going through your head, both your thoughts about yourself and for him watching him do that? Yeah, so I was I was pretty nervous about introducing him. I wanted to do you know what he accomplished in his work, I wanted to do it justice. Um, his parents were in the audience, um, and, and so I wanted that to be established. Um, but then, you know, after that, it was smooth sailing. Um, you know, he's an excellent scientist, he's a um, great speaker, and he had a really interesting story to tell. So, you know, I kind of just sat back and enjoyed the ride. Great. Um, do you have any last words before we wrap this thing up? Um, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to, you know, talk to the College of uh, Engineering and Computing and tell them about the work that we're doing. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see this research progress, and I can't wait to see the impacts that come out of this for all the different demographics, basically everyone that we talked about today. Um, and thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to our presenting sponsor, the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing, for allowing all this to happen. And thanks to our listeners. Without y'all listening and tuning in, uh, this would all be for nothing. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, hit that follow button on Spotify and give us five stars on Apple and leave a review if you want. But uh, we enjoy the good ones. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, thank you.